This is Reverend Michael Carter's bio. Reverend Michael J.S. Carter is originally from Baltimore, Maryland. He moved to New York City in 1980 and lived there for 27 years, working as a professional actor before moving to Asheville. Michael is an ordained interfaith minister and received his BA degree in letters from the College of New Rochelle, where he graduated cum laude. He received his Master's in Divinity degree from Union Theological Seminary in New York City, class of 2000. He has served as a staff chaplain, board certified, at various hospitals in New York and in North Carolina, while serving various Unitarian Universalist congregations in New York, Michael was trained as an anti-racist trainer and has been recognized by President Clinton for his efforts. A longtime UFO contactee, his book Alien Scriptures, Extraterrestrials in the Holy Bible, was, in March of 2014, number one on Amazon.com's list of UFO-related books. Michael has also appeared on George Norrie's Coast to Coast radio show and on George Norrie's TV show, Beyond Belief, on Gaia TV. Other TV appearances include being a regular consultant on the History Channel's Ancient Alien series, as well as being featured in the UFO TV documentary, The Real 4400, and UFOs, The Hidden Evidence on the Travel Channel. Reverend Carter was also featured in Steven Spielberg's TV documentary, Abduction Diaries for the Sci-Fi Channel. Diaries was the precursor to the Spielberg's HBO series, Taken. Author Whitley Strieber calls Reverend Carter's first book, Alien Scriptures, Extraterrestrials in the Holy Bible, the best book ever written on the topic. His three other books are A New World If You Can Take It, God, Extraterrestrials, and The Evolution of Human Consciousness, God Consciousness, a 30-day meditation manual for God-conscious thinking, the metaphysics of spiritual healing, and the power of affirmative prayer. His most recent book is Initiation, The Spiritual Transformation of the Experiencer. All of his books may be purchased at Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. His most recent appearance is on the History Channel's America's Greatest Mysteries, hosted by Lawrence Fishburne. The episode was on the Phoenix Lights. Michael serves as the minister for the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of the Swinona Valley, located in the beautiful mountains of Western North Carolina. And now, for my interview with Reverend Michael Carter. All right, everyone. Thank you for coming to my podcast, Dimension the Reality Podcast. As you know, from the last episode, I had made a change to my name. Um, it is now Dimensions of Reality podcast uh, to kind of have a continuity across all mediums, whether it be Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Spotify. Um, so welcome. Thank you for coming. Today, I have the Reverend Michael Carter. If you don't know who he is, he has a lot of a lot of credentials here. I mean, this man's done pretty much everything. Um, so I knew him from the History Channel, um, from the uh, Ancient Aliens History Channel TV series. Um, but I saw him recently on the Louis Borges podcast, UAP Studies podcast with Louis Borges and Jason. And man, that was that was that was phenomenal. So, Michael, thank you for coming. Um, what I wanted to talk about first was what I heard on that podcast, which was your experiences with the phenomena, direct contact. Yes. If you could please. Yeah. Um, you know, I, my, one of my favorite philosophers is is uh, Soren Kierkegaard because he says life is lived forward, but it's only understood backwards. <laughs> and so looking back, and, and I will answer your question very promptly. 
when I, it seemed like looking back now that when I was younger, I was having these experiences too, but I didn't know how to, to frame them. I was young. I didn't have the vocabulary for stuff. I would see like these, um, orbs in my room and they were different colors they looked like they were colors of chakras you know and they were you know looking back they were probably just like entities that did not have bodies and i they would always be around me always i could see the auras around uh people and objects which i still do um i can look at someone's skin it's easier if they're darker skin and i can see their skeletal system but i wow. always thought that this I thought it was natural. I would wake up with, 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 with blood on my pillow. I thought it was my nose. I mean, I thought it was my ear bleeding, mm. but it may have been implants, but be that as it may. But my first encounter, my sure enough encounter uh, was December 28th, 1989. I had just come back from Mexico City with my girlfriend at the time. And we were living in New York. Um, and uh, I lived in New York for almost 30 years. And so, um, and I was not, I, I, the backstory is, um, I, you know, I was raised Baptist. I wasn't watching Star Trek because it was non-biblical. You know, I was, I, I drank the Kool-Aid. <laughs> I don't mean that in a negative way. I want to rephrase that because the Baptist tradition works for many, many, many people, my parents included, but I was starting to outgrow that. I was starting to stretch a little bit, right. but I was not into UFOs at all. So we go to Mexico and um, uh, we go to uh, Cancun and then we go down in the Yucatan Peninsula to the pyramids at Tulum and Chichen Itza, the Mayan wow. culture, you know. Wow. And, you know, they, you know they, they had contact with star people as well. And so we saw the pyramids and it was a fantastic trip. Went back uh, to New York, December 28th. And I was invited to a party down in um, the Times Square area, Hell's Kitchen, actually. And my girlfriend said, I don't want to go. I'm tired. We got off at of JFK, went home. I said, well, I'm going to go because <laughs> I wanted to gloat. The, you know, my friends, they had been freezing in New York. I was in Mexico. It was 85, 87 degrees. <laughs> I was all dark and everything, darker and hairy change colors. I said, I need to show this off. So I went. And... Um, you know, no, no, no adult beverages were consumed. Um, just deviled eggs, which I'm, I'm addicted to those. Oh, they're amazing. That, oh my God. Yeah. I, I could live off oh, those things. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a deviled egg freak, man. So anyway, I, I, I go back home and that night, I don't know whether I had to go up to get up and use the bathroom or uh, I don't know. Maybe I felt a presence in the room, but when, I just felt, I, I got up, I, I was asleep on my stomach, which I still do. And I turned around and this person was there. Oh. Now, this was made for me, this individual, I'm going to say he, uh, this is, he made it, uh, my friend made it like a Buddha. It's got a Buddha yeah. robe on or whatever, but that was the head and everything. And um, was he was at the foot of my bed. He was at the foot of my bed. He was no more than three, four feet tall tops. But my my girlfriend would not wake up, either could not or would not. Now, there's a backstory to that, but I can put that in as a caveat. You know, listen, I've had a cop put a gun up to my head, okay? Mm. 
and that'll get your attention. You know, colors get brighter. I mean, because you don't yep. know it, uh, what, what you're going to do. But I was never so scared as when I saw this brother here, okay? And he was at the foot of my bed. He had on, uh, um, he was real skinny, spindly-like. And he had a jumpsuit, why well, I call it that. It, you know, it was like a turtleneck thing. It was like that. It fit him tightly. And it looked like mm. Reynolds wrap. Right. It looked like aluminum foil. And there was a blue light around him, like a lapis blue was a blue light. And around him, my whole room was lit up. Now, this is in New York City. This is not in the boonies. It's not like with Betty and Barney Hill coming home on a lonely right. road. This was in New York City. And he looked at me and I looked at him and I got in a fetal position. And I pulled the covers up over my head. I was terrified. And I heard this, well, it's the 15th floor, the Excelsior Hotel, it's still there, 45 West 81st Street between Columbus and Central Park West, wow. the residential <laughs> hotel, wow. lived there. And um, as a matter of fact, my ex still lives there. Uh, uh, I heard this whoosh, whoosh. And, and, you know, this is December. And for a minute, man, I felt like I was outside. Like I was outside. Hmm. So my mind is trying to take all this in. I pulled the covers up and I was underneath the bed. Sandy could not wake up. And when I, I finally grew a pair and I pulled the covers down and nobody was there. I, 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 I woke her up. I remember the caveat is my, my latest book is called Initiation. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a handbook for people who of contactees, experiences. Mm -hmm. And I, I sent her a copy and she said, Michael, I was reading your book and I remember that night. She said, I she said, I have never seen you so frightened. And she said, and I I saw these shadowy figures in the room, but in my mind, it was like I just had to go to sleep. And you know, mm -hmm. if you read some of the literature, they can yeah. make people, they can put people to sleep or whatever. So yeah. I said, wow, you know. Um so and she's a deeply spiritual woman. And so she didn't say, what are you, some kind of nut? And so we, you know, I was trying to work it out. And they started coming every full and new moon. Twice a month, I was having these visits from about eight months to a year. And they would come when she wasn't home. And they would paralyze me. I could still see, but I would be paralyzed. And on one occasion, they showed me a past life where I was this monk, um, you know, like like in the in the, during medieval times, had the the bald head up here and the haircut, uh -huh. and and then uh, they showed me a future event which happened later on while I was speaking in front of a crowd of people, and it actually did happen. Um, and so people say, were were there any these messages? No, the only uh, you know they would show me one time they showed me because now I do energy healing. I started off with Reiki. I don't know what comes out of my hands now. But when I was in Boston doing at an anti-racism uh, conference, uh, they visited then, and um, there was uh, they I was frozen, and they showed me it was like an icon on a on a phone, an emoji, and there was a gray pointing like at a, a hands in prayer, and there was a lightning bolt between 
the hands. And I use that on my business card now. And I was wow. like, they, they're saying, we want you to do healing. We want you to do so those kind of things didn't have talks with them about the meaning of life or where they were from. First of all, because you're, I was so terrified. Mm. Um, but my life started to change at that time. I was in New York. I was drinking and drugging and living a fast life. You know, I was in the theater. It was fun. And, and, and then this happened mm. and uh, it kind of like got me. It was almost like cold water in my face. Like they were saying, this is not what you really signed up for. You can mm. keep doing this, but there's something else. That's how I'm interpreting it. Mm. Um, so that those were my initial uh, contacts, which went on for years. And, and then years would stop. You know, maybe a couple of years would go by and they come back again. I'm talking about in my room, touching me kind. I'm not talking about dream mm. stuff or, right. or meditation stuff, which did happen. Um, I'm picking out the highlights here. Well, it's all highlighted. I, I, I uh, uh, at one time, twice on two occasions, I was visited by a reptilian. Oh, wow. You know, they're not the bad. These the people were not bad. They scared the, you know what, out of me. Walked right. right through my wall. You know, they always tell you this, don't be afraid. Yeah. How can don't, you not be afraid? That's right. <laughs> Touched me. Uh, looking back, he was, a. I'm saying he, well, his voice sounded male. Um, and they they don't talk. It's like you hear it in your in, in your, your mind, mm. like like telepathy, right? And uh, uh, and he just looked at me. He was you know looking back, he was beautiful, big, bulky, had a tail, walked on two legs, but his eyes were like the pupils went this way, mm, like slits. Uh, vertical, and but they were and it was yellow real gray like alligator skin mm. um what's another uh july 4th 2013 um i had a healing i had a blood clot uh this is important for me um i had a lot of friends who fought in vietnam i did not fight in vietnam i was young uh when when the war ended in 75 uh, april i was just turning uh, 17. Mm. I was born in 57, so you do the math. But I did a lot of work with Vietnam vets. I was an actor. I was in a Vietnam veterans theater ensemble. And I just, you know, in New York, I just met people for most, they were just, I was attracting Vietnam vets or something. Right. And, um, uh, and, and some of them would talk about their experiences and some of them wouldn't say anything about them, but uh, and, and understandable. But I, um, at one point they were telling me, because I had a I had a couple of friends who were in special forces. I had a guy who was a tunnel rat, Ron Giles. I don't know, I've lost track. I don't know if Ron is still alive now. But anyway, they would tell me these stories. And um July 4th, 2013, here in North Carolina, where I live now, um it rained. It was so beautiful for me because I don't like fireworks. And my my ex, um, I've been married, a, uh, my, this is my third marriage, but I've been married my second wife, who we have a child by, they used to love to go to the fireworks. And, you know, you had to get there at seven and they didn't start till 930. So, you know, you got to find a parking space and you're sitting so close to people. It was just an ordeal for me. And um, when they canceled it on July 4th, 2013, 
they canceled it because it was thunderstorms, really, really bad thunderstorms. And I remember my friends in, who were in Vietnam telling me about artillery and they'd be in their foxholes and, you know, you slept there whether it rained and it was ingoing and incoming and outgoing. And they were talking about at night, you just found a way to maybe sleep two hours, three hours, even though that was going on. So I specifically remember that the, the thunder that night sounded like artillery fire. And I, I remember saying to myself, this is what my buddies went through. Mm. And again, that feeling came to me um, that somebody was in my room and I turned around and this brother was in my room. I don't know if you can oh, see him. Man, I, yep, you can see right there. Wow. And he had a hoodie on though. Not a hoodie, a cowl. Um, but he he was he he looked like you know Swedish or no you know no Nordic. And when I turned over and I saw him, the other thing about I wanted to tell you was I had a blood clot. I had a blood clot in 2013. 2013 was not my best year. I got fired from my job. I was getting divorced, and um, my dad had died. I know it sounds like a country western. Oh man! <laughs> and uh, it was like what else? So this guy came. My leg was swollen like LeBron James. This is my right leg. I had a blood clot from my ankle to the groin area. Mm. I was taking something called a Nexaparin, and they later gave me some uh, Coumadin, Wayfarin or whatever they call it. I was injecting myself with this to make this blood clot shrink. This guy, when, when, when I turned around, I was on my side and I saw him. He was almost as tall as my ceiling. He wow. put his hand out and he was another one built. You could see his muscles through the robe he had on. He had a hoodie and he had a rope belt and he held his hand out and this green light hit me in my stomach. I didn't feel any pain, but I was still in the shock of this man is in my house. And then he just dissolved, like he just dissolved. When I looked down, my leg, the blood clot was gone. My leg was normal. Wow. I called a friend of mine named Preston Dennett. I know Preston. Okay. <laughs> He's a great guy. I called Preston. It was it was um 6.50. Wait a minute. 10 minutes to 7. 6.50, my time. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. It was, I'm sorry. It was 9.50, my time. Because I called Preston on the West Coast. But he wasn't there. So it was only it was only 10 of seven there where he was probably out. I finally got a hold of him and he wrote this story in his in his second book on UFO healings. Um I I, I my daughter and my ex, when I when I showed them my leg, they were like, they healed you. The the the, the big thing about that was that I had to go to the doctor and the doctors were not having it. They were like, well. You know, what happened? What did you do? Right. And I said, I didn't do anything. I said, it just went away. He said, well, uh, you were just here a week ago, 10 days ago, because they stick your finger and draw the blood and see. Um, so finally, I, you know, they kept interrogating me. It felt like that. And so finally, I just said, look, I don't know what happened, but aren't you happy? Right. You happy? The <laughs> That's kind of the bottom line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's bottom line.
And and they put them on the defensive. They were stuttering. Yeah, yeah, well, of course, Mr. Carter. Yeah, yeah, well, of course. And I get it. I said, I know you, you're people of science, chemistry, all that. I don't know what happened, but I don't have it anymore. And I don't know what happened, and you don't know what happened, but, you know. And they I asked them to take me off of the drug because they wanted to keep me on them indefinitely. So, you know, but this is doing a span of years. Like we're going from 1989, 19, um, I was at a conference in um, Knoxville, Tennessee, which is only two hours from where I live. I was speaking at a conference and uh, 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 um, uh, Travis Walton was there, Steve Bassett was there, the usual suspects, right, Kathy Martin was there. And so, you know, I met these people, I was selling my books. And so this, uh, I met this woman there and some friends. And so we started to stay in touch. And so she called me one day and she said, I, I told my friend about you, what a great speaker you were. She was very flattering and effusive. And she said, and um, I told her she should have been there. And uh, she said, uh, she has a message for you. I said, well, you, you know, I said, okay, what, what's the message? She said, well, she's going to call you. Do you mind if I give her your number? I said, no. And I said, well, what does she do? This woman was a lawyer, but she was also a psychic. Hmm. This was in, uh, I think, June of 20, it was 2019 for sure, it was that summer. Anyway, she said, uh, I heard good things about you from Tanya and yada, yada, yada. She said, I, I don't know how to say this to you, but I see these praying mantis beings around you. Hmm. I said, really? She said, yeah. I said, I, I've never seen them. I've seen other folks, but I've never seen them. She said, they're around you. And what I'm getting is that you're going to you're gonna see them in, one of the, in the next three days. So, I mean, what do you say to that? I said, okay, uh, you sure? I mean, so anyway, the first night, you know, I still have a little post-traumatic stress. It's, sometimes it's hard for me to be home alone at night. Mm. Or, you know, especially around three or four, which is when they usually That's, come. Yeah, what's up with that? I, I the same here. Just real quick, I, every night, every almost almost every single night, I have the exact same thing. Where I'm yeah, like, I, I keep the light on. Like that's going to yep, keep me same here. Coming. Yeah, I know. It's not going to stop it. But, and I, this <laughs> at least I'm not alone. At least I'm not alone. That's <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, listen, no, you're not. You're not. Okay. It's, it's, it's probably thousands of people, if not more. And um, you know, I still I'll turn the light off at the last minute. But anyway, so the first night I was living in, in an apartment before I moved here. And, uh, you know, it was, you know, I felt I heard noises and stuff in the apartment. I was like, well, I always hear that. The second night, and I thought it was auto suggestion. You know, I would get up, I, if I had to get up and go get something or walk around the house, I started feeling my, my hair stood on end. I started getting like a chill, like, mm. like goosebumps. Yeah. You knew. I said, well, something's in the house. The third night, this person climbed up on my bed. No. Yes. <laughs> a praying mantis. I'd have freaked out. Climbed up on my bed. His face was this, maybe yeah. it was the sea, this close mm. to me. I went, <gasps> and then it just dissolved. <clears throat> They always dissolve. They always make them, they just like the particles disperse or something. So anyway, those are some of the highlights. Of, so, uh, and then sometimes years will go by and I wouldn't see them at all. Maybe in my meditation, they would come. Right. That's, that's, um. so 
that is it just uh part of the, what you just said it makes me feel like not necessarily comfort but a little bit of relief that i'm not the only one who has this i've been told lately that it is ptsd that what i'm experiencing at that time i didn't think that because I, I have ptsd i didn't think it was from that though i just thought i always just kind of took that experience for granted in a in a say uh, in a sense where it just happened to me but the the sting up at late at night is just me that's just me being scared I didn't associate PTSD with that, but it, but apparently that's what it is. Yeah. Um. And I mean, literally last night, if I were to give an example, I was up late last night and I stay up until like four or five, six o'clock in the morning sometimes, most of the time, most of the time. And then I always keep the light on, like that's going to do something. Like I, And I think that like, what's the light going to do? If they want to come into my house, they can just come in here. And I always look at the curtain because I have, you know, noise, I always think, you know, they just the feeling of their presence some days is really strong, but they they haven't shown up at all for the last 10 years. Um, the only experience I've had that would be relevant to them was that experience I mentioned to you once with the orb where I came out of my meditation and I, I opened my eyes and I was in the sky and then I saw an orb because I had meditated prior and not necessarily thinking about anything specific, but that's what happened. I saw the orb and I rejected it. And I remember you telling me that's probably why you're not finding out what's going on because you're rejecting and telling no. And I wanted to talk about that because I live a lot in fear. M most of my experiences are are kind of colored by fear. And that is a fault of mine. That's a, that's a psychological barrier that I've always had my entire life. And I wonder if, for example, I've been told that the experience can be shaped by the way that you feel about it or by the mindset that you have, whether it be in the moment or whether it be in, in your worldview. Um, is that, a, is that a thing? Is that how it works? Is that, do you think that, that what we experience, how we encounter them is shaped by how we feel about them or how we feel within ourselves? I, I want to say that that's that, that there's some truth to it, but I don't want to make it a blanket statement because what happens right. is you wind up blaming yourself. Let me tell you, you know, Yes, it depends on your childhood. Yes, I I, I was very fear-based. My parents raised me that way. That's the way they lived their life as people of color in America, going through their parents went through the Depression, going through, you know, anti-Black, you know, sentiments and stuff like that. That's always there, especially when I was the firstborn male child. That's part of the existential human condition. If hmm. someone can walk in your room and they look like this, yeah, that's and they get in your or face. They look at you, you, a, a yeah. normal person's going to be yeah. afraid. Yeah. You know, so so that's all I'm saying. I don't want you to blame yourself. That's a natural feeling. The thing is, is that um, what I had to learn was okay. Have they ever really hurt you? Yes, one time they hurt me by mistake, and I asked them not to do it. And next time when they visited, they didn't. But my life got better. Mm. Uh, 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 and so, you know, I had to go by the proof was in the pudding. Yes, there's that initial shock. Um, I mean, my God, the 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 brother, the blonde haired brother, he still he scared me too. Now, granted, he looked more humanoid, human. right. but still, you just pop up in my house like that. Of course, I'm going to be afraid. The thing is, though, for me, um, was that the changes in my life that were for the better, the changes in my personality. Um, I, you know, uh, the, the, just my life. The other thing is this, there are people who 
have not had the experiences that I've had. They've had their sperm taken, ovum taken. Right. Uh, they've been put on the, you know, now I've been regressed. None of that came up in my regressions except being on a ship and laying on right. a table. Maybe I blocked that out. But again, my 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 life had changed for the better. For people who didn't, what, what are you going to blame? You, 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 I'm not saying you're saying this. Oh, well, right. the only reason that happened to you because you had a bad attitude. No, things happen. And, and I was fortunate that I didn't run into those types. The group of people that yeah. they ran into. Yeah. And, and so that's why that's why I don't want to make a blanket statement. Now, of course, um, you know, as time goes on, your attitudes about it. I mean, that's just life, quantum physics, the observer and the observed, we affect each other. But when someone can walk through your wall, when someone is looks like they they're not even from this neighborhood, this planet there's going to be fear, not unless you are a highly evolved individual. <laughs> right. You know, I, I, um, I reflect heavily on the conversation we had, the first conversation I had with you, um, because you mentioned, you drew a parallel between essentially the experience of, of bias in, in our culture on earth um, when it comes to different you know, colors, well, races, creeds, belief systems, and so forth, how mm -hmm. you can't pin an entire race or entire culture of people based off of one or a few of the people that are causing the problems. Sure. And so when you look at these beings, you see there are some that are mischievous, quite mischievous. You cannot, and I I, I have looked at the darker side of the phenomena and I just kind of blanketed. I, un, unfortunately, and I did this because I should have considered the, the reality of that dichotomy between human civilization and any other civilization out there. There's gotta be some similarities. They don't have to be dichotomous. It can be similar. Where, 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 um, they could have different race, different people or persons in their civilization that are mischievous, that are either outcast or they're they're evil. They could be evil just like they're evil humans. And so, why think why why color the entire race of beings as yeah. bad? Yeah. Because I focus heavily on the negative aspect of it. I've reflected on that heavily since the last time we talked, and I agree. And I've changed my paradigm because of it. Because now I think of it as. There is a faction of the persons um, involved with the phenomena that isn't so great. Um, Terry Lovelace, in contrast to your story, his wasn't very good at all. I mean, there was fear, but there was some really terrifying experiences that he had related to the phenomena and these beings. And the one thing that I remember from his experience that he said was was seeing one of the mantis ones. And they said he he said he was screaming and yelling because he was they were hurting him. And the mantis being looked at him and said, I don't know why you're yelling. You know, we don't hurt you. You know, we bring you back. And that even that exp that traumatic experience that he had with that being with the Trump, they told him, what are you freaking out for? We don't hurt you. And we always take you back. And that was that the, the just being in their presence and seeing that creature. That's what's terrifying. And of yeah. course, they have the, they have an energy probably that they admit. A, maybe it's an electromagnetic field. Maybe there's something about their being a high that, vibration, right? A high vibration. So Especially that we are. Yeah. Well, there we go. I think I think it makes more sense that that's the fear that we feel. Something that's more um, supernatural, being around them, so to speak. Something that we are not really aware of in in terms of physics and biology. Because we emit a, an electro electromagnetic field around ourselves, it's very it's very small, it's subtle. But why wouldn't these beings do something like that? But when they have the advanced you know capabilities like mind control and being able to to, to telepathically talk to you and heal you, that's got to be a higher level of mm -hmm. energy that these beings mm -hmm. are emitting just mm -hmm. naturally. 
And so I feel like that's what's causing us to have that fear, that overwhelming power of their presence. I think I'm starting to believe that's kind of the fear that we're feeling, the reason that we're feeling. Maybe I'm off key here. I mean, you talk about Reiki and healing, and that's involved with energy. And so, and the thought and energy and consciousness. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think you may be overthinking it. Maybe so. I do that often. So no, it's just the fear of the unknown. Right. End of story. Hmm. And it just makes it more bizarre because you don't even look like me. We can't even get along with people who earthlings. Right. Just okay. Slightly different. And 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 we don't take the time to know each other. So imagine that. And I'm not trying to belittle, please don't take it that way. But I'm not saying, you know, the, you know, the, and, and the, the human mind wants to make sense. Like you want to make sense of this. This is why this happens. You, right. you don't know why it happens. And we want to, and then, and then we, and then we, we get a glimpse of something and then we say, well, see, yeah, that's it. Somebody else may say, I didn't cry. I didn't scream at all. I just was curious. So then, so that throws away that theory. Mm. It is where you are. It's not a formula that can be fixed, but I think that the more you, you get visited, and if it's the same group of people, you start to get an affinity. But, you know, people are uh, uh, complicated, and mm. we're, we, 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 you know, it's just, a, I, it's unknown. Who are you? Look at the way you look. You're in my, it's the fear of the unknown. Mm. And so part of that is natural. The other part of that is, is that sometimes you got to take the leap. <laughs> mm. There's no other way around it. And some, you know, and but the human mind, I got to get a formula for this. That's... I got to get, I got, and, and, and oh. that's Western culture. I, you know, I learned a lot from studying, you know, other cultures, especially around religious and spiritual themes. If even if you look at the Lakota, they call, uh, the great spirit, the great mystery. They they learn how to live in mystery. I don't have to know all the freaking answers. Right. Okay. Same thing with African cultures. Same thing with Aboriginal folk in Australia. It's the great mystery. But in Western cultures, see, I got I got to find a place for it. Right. Because that way I have some control over. It. So I got to want to know why everybody gets afraid. You'll never know why everybody gets afraid <laughs> to the degree that they do or don't. It's, 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 you know, you got to be comfortable with not knowing that's a spiritual discipline as well, because while you're in a body, the finite can never comprehend the infinite. Any God that you, you say, you know, is not it because it's unknowable. Mm -hmm. But in our culture, you, you got to find an answer, man. I got to figure this out. Mm -hmm. And then you miss the experience. Because you're so busy trying to figure it out that you, you can't it. be in yeah. the moment of it. You know, it's again, the, the, this is why I reflect on our conversation because uh, my my brain works where I need to find a, a pattern, patterns and logic. That's how my brain works. And I mean, like to the to a fault where I'm always looking for a pattern, I'm always looking for a connection, I'm always looking for the logic behind. Sound and like a most, Vulcan. A Vulcan? <laughs> What's what, what do you mean? Oh, you mean and you mean okay. You mean yeah, yeah. Star it's, okay. It's got to be I, rational, I, right. and it's got to be logic. But yep. but you know that's not always the case. Not even close. And this experience, especially, there's no answers. Every time I dig, the further I dig, the more confusing things become. Um, I mean, there is really no answer when it comes to the phenomena, which is what I umbrella over: ETs, interdimensionals, UFOs, UAPs, whatever. The even and even now, the paranormal, for instance, ghosts and 
mm-hmm. um, and apparitions or whatever, and, right? Yeah. Um, this point, they they all seem to be connected in some way. And ancient they religions are. have been talking about these yeah. civilizations have been talking about this forever. And with your experience, I'm sure I'm I'm curious about how you see the history of human civilization connecting with these beings. How do you see that as relevant to what's going on now? That there is an there seems to be an increase in the presence and interaction with humanity, with these specifically with the beings, with the UFOs and the craft and what have been at least seemingly the the references to gods in the in in ancient civilizations. Do you think that there is something that is changing, shifting about their connect, their contact with us? Do you think there's something going to, maybe an event going to happen? Do you think that disclosure is coming? Do you think that they're going to show themselves? Because I've been hearing a lot from different people that not only is disclosure coming, but they're going to make themselves known soon. It, it appears to be that they're going to make themselves known soon. What do you think about that that um, that thought? Well, you, well, you, you you asked me six questions there, so I'm going to try. I, and I apologize. So no, so, no, 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 yeah. no. I'm not complaining. <laughs> I'm just going to try and to deal because that's a lot of information. First of all, yes, I do feel that they have interacted with us um, since pre-recorded history. Zachariah Sitchin and his books on the Earth Chronicles about the Anunnaki kind of goes into that. So there is a biblical connection as a as a. Um, uh, a clergy person, I've kind of investigated that in the three monotheistic religions, even though every civilization talks about beings coming down from the sky. Right. Some of them mischievous, some of them not. Mm-hmm. Some of them both. Statistically, after we split the atom and we bombed Hiroshima and Nagasaki, you know, it, they, it, the sightings increased. Uh, uh, probably for all the obvious reasons that we were like little kids playing with fire. Not only did we commit war crimes, in my opinion, dropping bombs on a civilian um, uh, population, and people can talk about it short in the war. If someone did that today, we would say this is a war crime. But I guess when you when you split the atom like that, it probably reverberates and, and affects different different planets, different dimensions. I don't know, I'm not a physicist, but I can only imagine. They've already made themselves known. Hmm. They've they've influenced our religions. They've already made themselves known. What people are getting so caught up in is they expect the same people who've been lying to us (laughs) about this for almost 75 years or more. We keep thinking, you know, well, just tell us the truth. That's not going to happen. You may get variations of the truth, and the truth has no variations, but no. Mm. So I don't need the government to tell me they exist. Mm. I'm not waiting for the great disclosure from Pharaoh. They exist. We're not alone. Now, I believe that the government is being a little more transparent, even though they're still controlling the narrative, because they have to. You see this right here? One day, someone is going to take a picture of um, a craft, and they're going to take a picture of someone getting out of it or getting in Mm. it. They're not going to be able to explain that away. You see what's happening now with these so-called whistleblowers. I won't name them, but they work for the government. Uh, And you can tell 
you can, if you listen closely, you can tell that they're working for the government and disinformation because they always talk about eventually. Mm -hmm. This is a national security concern. And once you hear that, you know that this is being looked at as a threat. It's the same thing with the balloons. They shot down some balloons and people were cheering. And, you know, Biden comes out and says, we're going to protect our airspace. They're setting you up, see, because they're going to say we're going to have to fight these people because they're in our airspace. They, you, we're being I mean, Ray Charles can see it. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm just like I'm, I'm looking, I'm waiting, I'm watching. But you can see because we always need an enemy. We always got to have an enemy. When you keep going to Congress, we need billions for this, we need billions for that. You got to have an enemy. And we are being played and we're being set up that eventually in our lifetime, we're going to say, we're going to come out and say they do exist, but they're our enemy and they're in our airspace. And they're testing us just to see what's going to be the public reaction. And of course, as primitive and as unsophisticated as we are as a species, you know, people are clapping and yeah, oh yeah, that's my Air Force, buddy. <laughs> and it's like, what are you saying? I hope I answered your question. That was that was a literal perfect answer to my question. Because my, you know, you've probably um you've probably caught on. I spend a lot of time researching the topic, a ton of time, sometimes too much time. And so I have uh, most of the information that's come out recently. I've looked at the official perspective mm -hmm. and the official perspective is, is still, is still a little bit of denial, a little bit of uh, obfuscation, which is a big word that's been thrown around quite a bit over the last year or two. Um, there isn't a lot of clarity. There's actually purposeful confusion, but when it comes to people like Louis Elizondo and Tom DeLong with TTSA or now TTA to, to the stars, all those people, that whole group of people, um, they have a state, they do share a very similar perspective and because it's, and you know, again, my thought process is logic. Give me an answer. Give me a box. I can put it in. They do see it as a threat because of how it expresses itself, um, or how it interacts with, for instance, our military, how it observes our nuclear facilities. We are the, we, we seem to be the threat. And now when I think about that, when I thought about it, they're observing our military capabilities. Well, their concern, it seems like since, as you said, was from these nuclear explosions. We were testing, I think it was the Trinity case that was mentioned by Jacques Vallée. It was heavily mentioned by Jacques Vallée about the of craft crashing um, after a nuclear explosion was set off and beings coming out. And there were kids that saw these beings and they were they they had went to get help and the military got involved ultimately. But long story short, there was a crash with aliens in 1945. Um, I'm sorry, was it? Yeah, 45. So the, this has been, their concern seems to be about our nuclear or weapons, our weapon mm -hmm. systems and our, our ability to to kill and to cause damage. Um, that seems to be the concern. So when, when they say that this is a national security threat, what I've kind of collected is that we want to stay dominant. And the threat is there might be someone much more powerful than us that, that might want to keep us in check. Hey, you guys need to stop. And we don't want to stop. We seem to be bloodthirsty for power. Um, that's what I see. That's how I've seen this. And in your, you know, your perspective about how this threat narrative, so to speak, is what I've been told is kind of the, is has been pushed because of 
having to continue the defense budget, having to always have an enemy, having to always be the big dog with the biggest stick. You know, it's always about that. It seems to be true. And it's unfortunate because I want disclosure. I've always wanted disclosure, but I think you're right. I think what it seems like is we're we're being drug along with, with you know, carrot on the stick just a little bit longer. It's right there. And it's always the same thing. There's always a reason why the next time it doesn't happen. And then with this last situation with the balloons, well, and, and objects that we couldn't identify um, that they shot down and didn't recover, they called up the recovery uh, efforts for, it does seem like it was a test. Let's see what happens. Let's see how they react. And look how we reacted. We failed. Um, so I don't think they'll ever give us disclosure. And I think you're right. I think that when it comes to people like us, we've already been convinced. I've seen them. I've seen them. You've seen them. People have seen them. People are whistleblowers are coming out and talking about this. Whistleblowers have come out and talked about this. Um, and Ryan Graves, Commander David Fravor, uh, Alex Dietrich, you know, Gary Nolan, when it comes to the to studying the phenomena from the meta material with Jacques Vallée, this is the disclosure has already happened. It's not going to come from a, from an official um, source. It's going to come from people like like you and me, experiencers. And especially with you, because you're a much more credible experiencer than I am. I'm just a guy, a podcaster. You are the guy. <laughs> you're doing the thing, man. You're out there. You've been researching and, and you've written books about this phenomena. And I think that you, especially, I appreciate your efforts. And I think that people like you are going to be the ones that really push for true disclosure for the public. The question is, what what message do you have for the public, the people that aren't, that haven't seen, the people that have not had experiences? What do you what do you want to tell those people about what to expect about the phenomena, specifically the phenomena? How should they see it? Well, I would say, you know, from my opinion, that you want to keep an open mind. Um, that that it you know it, I I you know the movie Contact with Jodie Foster you know right. if all awesome there is in, in in the universe it seems like an awful waste of space, but but my my thing is this. This phenomenon is bigger than lights. It's not about lights in the sky and all of that. Thank it's you. about the change of consciousness. Mm. It's about connecting to the oneness that we are all a part of. And and so you don't need somebody to come from another dimension or another planet to tell you what you need to do. You know what you need to do. You just have to be encouraged. But but, you know, we like the sensational. And so it's all about the lights in the sky and the craft. Mm -hmm. It's not about that. Study, talk to most of the people, not all who have had this phenomenon has changed them change the way they look at life. It's like having an OBE experience or an NDED, you know, a near-death experience mm -hmm. that you come away transformed. Not everybody, but a lot of people do. And it's about waking up to this oneness. You can call it love. You can call it God, the source. Uh, it really doesn't matter what you call it. But that's what this is about. And 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 a lot of these beings have said that. And um, we let the material and the technology, technology is not bad. It's just that we don't know what to do with it. We make bombs and stuff yeah. with it. We could feed the planet. You, you, you know, Exxon doesn't want us to get zero, uh, to get free energy. There's no too much money to be made. 
Right. Uh, a lot of the healthcare cancer research, I hate to say it, they don't want they don't want you to be at cures for cancer. There's so much money in it. There are people making money off the chaos of the world the way it is now, and they don't want to stop. Look what we're doing to the planet. Mm. You know, but but we don't we want to keep using oil. It's crude. It's crude. It's unenlightened, but we keep doing it because there's money to be made. No one wants you to know that we all come from the same source, that we all have these abilities, that we all are star, we're made of star stuff, all of us. Because I want you to be say that you're black and identify with that. And I don't want you liking that gay person. I want it all uh, uh, I want it all entangled. I want to, it's divide and conquer. It's Machiavellian, but I make money when you do that. I make money when you do that. As long as y'all are fighting each other and when you should be looking at me because I'm the one who's yeah. keeping you from getting health care, who's keeping you from getting a, a living wage. There's a group of people, there are powers. That you, 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 you're crazy if you think the president runs the country. Right, I think we all know I mean, come on. So, so these beings represent a threat. They represent a threat because uh, and we call them aliens. I can't stand that word, but we call them aliens because we don't know what else to call them. But they're telling you, A, you are not the highest thing on the food chain. B, you can meld science and spirituality, that you, you need both. And three, we're holding a mirror up to you saying that, look what you're doing. You are, you are, you are, you are bloodthirsty. You are greedy. And you're going to destroy yourselves. We're not taking, they're not taking anything from us. If they wanted to take over this planet, they could have. What yeah. do they do? They shut down your missile silos. You don't <sighs> have to go to, uh, uh, you don't have to go to Harvard to figure it out. These things are dangerous. You don't know what you're doing. But we keep doing it anyway. That's what I would tell people to think for themselves. But 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 we've got to find, Einstein said that you can't solve the problems, any problems from the same consciousness that started it in the first place. Right. So we really, really need to look at that and look at, do these people, the powers that be, are they looking out for our interests? If you look at the religions, I happen to believe that extraterrestrials started these religions. I'm not, I don't know whether they did it intentionally, but I believe our ancestors were, were overwhelmed by this technology and these beings were godlike to them. Right. And so they referred to them as gods. You know, angels, malek uh, in, in Hebrew, it's angel. But, but, but it means messenger. Nowhere in the Bible does it say these people had wings. Now, I believe, so, because someone will get upset and send me an email, I've seen an angel. I'm not right. saying you didn't. I'm just saying that nowhere in the Bible does it say these beings have wings. I believe our ancestors said they were in flying chariots or they were using the language of their day right, right. to say that these beings could fly. But 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 what you know what God needs a flying saucer. You know, I believe Yahweh was an extraterrestrial with anger management problems as we said before. <laughs> right. And uh he was ruthless. And so here we have one of the religions. You know, the Hindus talk about the Vimanas and the flying crab. And they talk about, uh, what's the brother's name? He's blue. The uh, 
The only Vishnu, um, Vishnu, Vishnu. Okay, the Octorians are blue people too. Maybe they were there. All I'm saying is, and I'm not saying that there isn't a supreme intelligence. And if I, you know, I just don't know what it is, but I, I, I feel that it's there. But I can live with the mystery. I don't have to know. Mm. I just know there's something greater than me, and I come right. from it, and I'll go back to it. It's all these different races. People talk about Anunnaki, 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 Anunnaki. <laughs> well, there may have been other, uh, there were other people visiting here too that weren't Anunnaki. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, you know, everybody had different parts of the world that they were in. So that was a long answer. The basic answer again was that this is this this is about our spiritual growth. And and if you're religious, that's okay too. But that's what the, the beings that I've encountered have been have been, you know, that, that's where I've been steered to. And um so, you know, I go on Facebook, man, I see all these things about Kwanzaa. I just skip over them. And my part of me is kind of bitter. I've been doing this for 25 years, I'm a little jaded, but it's not about that. How many times can you, how many flying saucer pictures can you see? How many stories can you hear? Right. You know, because when you, when we, when we finish here tonight, I got to get up tomorrow morning. I want to spend some time with my wife. I have a daughter. I got to do the day-to-day -day stuff. So right. I can have a visit tonight, but tomorrow I got to go to work. So I don't want to be so heavenly minded that I'm no earthly good. <laughs> I have to it. live my life. That's excellent. Mm. You don't want to be so heavenly minded that you are, you are earthly no good. Say that you're, one more you're time. You're no please. earthly good. I think you're that's no a quote good. from Thoreau. Oh. I think it's from Thoreau or Emerson. Uh, that you don't want to be so heavenly minded. Thoreau also said it's okay to build sandcastles in the sky, but but soon you're going to have to put um, foundations under them. We can talk about love. We can talk about all these great messages in the utopian society, but you got to you got to make that happen. Otherwise, it's just um, it's just a parable. It's just wishful thinking. You know, I use a lot of movie, movie references, and just because. You know, culture is a big deal and a big thing for most people. I I watched the day the Earth stood still, and I remember Which one, one, the new one, the newer one, the one with Keanu Reeves. Sorry, okay. Um, and when Keanu Reeves had met with an alien, the the one being that was there had been there. He was sent there prior. Yeah, to the Asian world. Humans, right. He said he stayed and he wanted to live out his life as a human. And I thought to myself, can you imagine? A civilization of being set. I mean, Keanu Reeves was essentially created. His body was created, and then his consciousness was imbued into the body, and he could live it out. And if the body died, he could just go back to this to wherever the source was and be the be the being that he was prior and live a life among beings that are essentially so advanced. They what's their culture like? What's their? I can't imagine it being full of sickness and disease and and violence and aggression. Whenever they came here to stop us to save the planet from us, um, that's that was. To me, I was like, wait a minute. He wanted to stay here with us and our with our eating McDonald's food. I mean, I didn't understand it. But when he explained himself, it was the it was the kernel of 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 whatever it is that humanity has, that good feeling, the love, the connectedness, the the potentiality of humanity is why he stayed, because we have potential that's greater than what our what our clear problems are on this planet. And so he had hope in us 
that one being had hope in us. And it gave kind of gave put a put a little bit of a seed inside of Keanu Reeves' consciousness because ultimately he decided to save humanity because of two people. And that well, two people, the, the mother and son, and and their and her love for her son is what essentially got him to realize that there's more to us than the violence and destruction that we have that we seem to be so prone to. And I want to know, I'm curious about your perspective on, again, this idea that we have potentiality, because you pretty much clarified that through your responses, that we have that, that we have that we have good to us. But you said when you made that comment about us, about um, you can't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. The idea that we still have to live life and love our family and not just be meditating 24 seven. How do you how do you come to terms with that? How do you come to terms with the idea that we still have to live this life, but we are aware of the potential of a civilization that is beyond the struggles that we have here? Don't you want to just go with them? I mean, I mean, how do you see that that scenario that I just that kind of situation I just explained? You know, this is the life I have. This is the life I have. I I, I don't need a savior. I don't need someone to come and escape. If I come from this source, I'm going to go back to this source. Mm. You know, I I, I see I see the, the extraterrestrial also saying that I have a mission I need to fulfill here. Mm. I can't I can't just leave it. I need to I need to see this through. Well, we all have a mission that we have to fulfill here. And uh, who was it? You know, the two most important days of your life are the day you're born and the day you find out why. Mm. We all have a mission that we need to accomplish here. And when we leave, we go back to where we came from, which is also embedded in that you don't die, that your consciousness doesn't die. That, those, that's the other thing that you can read into that, mm. you know, that, that I don't die. This dies, but my consciousness stays. The, 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 I like the first one better with Michael Rennie, um, but even though I do own the one with Canal Reeves. But it, the underlying thing there is that there's a savior going to save us. If it's not Jesus, it's going to be the space people. Mm. And again, humanity, yes, there's good in us, but that doesn't mean we're not going to blow ourselves up. Yeah, I suppose. Do you have you hope know, in us? They're not mutually exclusive, but the life I have is here. Right now. My daughter. My wife, my circle of friends, I try to keep my health. Uh, I try to love my neighbor. I try to treat them the way they want to be treated, not necessarily the way I want to treat them, because people <laughs> may want to be treated somewhere else, a different way. Right. So so I, I take care of this because this is what I have. If I'm constantly thinking about a world that is not here, then I'm not here. You can be laying in bed with someone and their body's next to you, but if their mind's not next to you, they're not really there. Right. You right. know what I mean? This yeah. is the life we have. Do I believe in past lives? Yes, I was shown a past life. Do I believe that consciousness goes on? Yeah. Tomorrow I got to go to work. I got to pay <laughs> my bills. I got a mortgage here. Right. It's not It's not fantasy land. It's reality. You know what I mean? This is this is the way it is. If I want fantasy, I'll go upstairs and watch uh, Cisco in Deep Space Nine, or I'll watch it. You know, yeah, everybody has their little forms of escapism. But this is the life I have. And if you're worried about tomorrow, 
It hasn't happened yet. And you can't change the past. So all you got is now. Right now. I dig it. That's, you know, it's Eastern philosophy for the most part. I mean, yeah. of course, there's the love other love other people, of course. That's biblical. But Eastern philosophy is compassion, being present, being in the here and now. Um, don't be so caught up with the whatever the whether it be too spiritual it's you're not supposed to hold on to any one thing you're supposed to just kind of be present and experience things as they come accept and let go one of my biggest problems is letting go of things <laughs> yeah yeah well you're not alone brother you're not alone man you're not alone and yeah. so that's what i got out of it um mm -hmm. and if you look at these philosophies and you look at these people you know, all through history, this is probably found passed down to us. When Jesus uh, allegedly, when when he says, "My kingdom is not of this world," I believe him, mm -hmm. because it because his perspective was very otherworldly to love your enemies, right? To not fear death, to know, you know, to 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 to. to to, to change your whole value system that, that there's this there's a quote in the bible i forget where that the wisdom of man is foolishness to god mm. because look around you the stuff that that human beings think is is intelligent it's really not it's not intelligent at all you ever heard you know whoever heard of a peacekeeping missile <laughs> missiles aren't using yeah. that's like yeah. saying jumbo shrimp <laughs> i mean it's an oxymoron and what passes for wisdom here is really crazy. Yeah, mm. it's really crazy. What we call wisdom. I agree. What we call justice. It's not justice, it's revenge. Mm. So so you 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 get this otherworldly wisdom. It's not otherworldly in the sense that it can't happen here. It's just that people don't want to do it because it takes work. It takes work to look at yourself and say, you know what? I'm wasn't as good as I'd like to be today. I need to look at that. I got some things I need to look at. They don't want to do that. And so I, I'm, I'm going to be telling you what your business is. I'm going to mind your business so I don't have to look at me. See, so I'm, I'm all up in your business. Who you sleep with. How much you drink. How much money you make. What do you believe? Where you live? Yeah, see, because then I don't have to look at me. That's actually been a reoccurring message um, in my life lately. It's the idea of noticing things about other people and everything outside of you, but not looking and reflecting on yourself. There, they, they, Things are moving all around you. People are doing things that they believe and they feel all the, you can't influence any of those things. I mean, you can, but you're not responsible for, nor can you just make those things change. There has to be a willingness and openness of those externalities. For example, people or situations, for example, to, to change. You have to focus on yourself. The only thing you can do is yeah. focus on yourself and Change what yourself. you, you know, yeah. Be yeah. aware. Awareness yeah. is key. Awareness is key. Ironically, I tell my kids this all the time and I, I tend to fall short of the same message that I tend to repeat to my own children. So it's, it's interesting. Life, life and life is interesting in a way that we tend to be um, hypocritical in almost every, we, what do you call it? A, a um, not a logical fallacy, but a cognitive dissonance. Where we have these inconsistent thoughts. Uh, when it when it comes to ourselves, we believe one thing. When it comes to everybody else, we believe a completely different thing. And we're mm -hmm. always looking at everyone else to to measure, to meet a measure that we have for them. But we never live up to that same measure. 
somehow, somehow. Mm-hmm. It's ironic. It's a strange ironic irony in our life and ourselves and human beings. So my next question then, and this is just because, you know, I am on a, I'm on a journey and I feel like these conversations, yes, they're in, they're entertaining for people to listen to. I think people get education from these, from these conversations, especially ones where we're talking about what we should do day to day. How should we feel in any given moment? I feel like this, this conversation, you're answering those questions. Of course, everybody has their own path, but ultimately I think it all comes down to the same thing. And I think that what you said is the, is the core of what all of us should be doing, focusing on ourselves, being more open-minded, not taking any one thing as gospel, so to speak, and, um, and exploring ideas and learning. What do you think, uh, what do you think the phenomena wants from humanity? I know you answered it in part previously for us. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, and, 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 I, and I'm not trying to be uh, coy. I don't know what the phenomenon wants from us because there's so many different facets. And again, you're looking for that one bullet. I know. Answer, and there isn't. There isn't one. Everybody gets to choose who is an experiencer, how it affects and influences him or her. And that could be a desert and a sea between how you interpret it and me. I think like, I think that, and I feel that the more you can say, I don't know, the better off you are because we don't know. All I can do is speak from my experience and how it affects me. I can't say how you need to, how you need to do it. I can suggest, I can say what happened to me, but I can't tell you that because there's no one answer to that. And and I think that's one of the things the phenomenon tells us. Everybody's different and you got to be able to be comfortable with diversity. Not only diversity of the way people look, but diversity of thought. Plurality of thought is a diversity category. So you may say, well, Michael, my journey's taking me this way. I may say, that's lovely. I love it. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of going over here. That's okay. That's okay. You know, what's frustrating about what you said is, one, it's true. Um, but two, I know it's true. And a lot of the things that I feel are in direct opposition to what you just said. I, I want answers. I want to know. I want to, like you say, you want to, you want that bullet point of what things are. And I'm not going to get it. I don't think that I'm ever going to get it. That's actually frustrating. But I think that as we spoke about prior and what you said to me was, especially when I rejected my one experience, I got what I wanted. I asked for something and I got it. And I think that I, I think that I need to, and again, this conversation, the conversation with you before I I'm still in this moment thinking about it. I've been reflecting on it the entire week. I think that I will probably be more cognizant of, how I frame my questions because I'm looking for answers that there are none and nobody really knows what is the phenomena. It's a bunch of different things. Why is it here? Well, it's always been here and it's always been doing all kinds of different things. Who really knows? Well, what is it? What does it want from us? All these questions that I have, I don't think they can be answered in w- whether it be one conversation or talking to any one person who seems to have all the answers because nobody has all the answers. And that's the problem. That's well, it's problem. not a problem. Uh, you know, I started out with a, a Kierkegaard quote. I'll give you another quote of his. Life is not a problem to be solved. It's a mystery <laughs> to be lived. And so the thing is, is that if you're, and, and if you notice, you're saying, what does it mean for us? See, if I'm focusing on us, I don't have to focus on me. See, 
I'm, I'm focusing on everybody else. <laughs> it, the, the question is, what does it mean for Marquis Williams? Hmm. That's all you need to be concerned with. You don't need to be concerned with how it is ever, because that's none of your business. That's none of your business. Hmm. My, my spiritual growth is none of your business. And yours is none of mine. We can share it. But you don't you 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 got responsibilities. We talked at the beginning of the show. That that's your business. Mm. It's not about what it means for us because there are nine billion people on the planet, and they all have their own unique perspectives about life, about the cosmos, about their place in it. Some of them don't even have time to talk about what we're talking about because they're trying to put food on the table. Right, right. Some of them are political prisoners in places. Some of them are in a foxhole in Ukraine now. So it doesn't matter. It's not about what is for us. It's about what, what am I going to do with it? What am I going to do with what's happened with me? You know, there's that story in the Bible when... Um, there, uh, I think it's the John, and they're asking Jesus about the end times, and and he says, "Well, this is going to happen. That's going to happen." I'm not saying that's true. I'm just using it as a story. And they said, "Well, what about this man?" And he said, "That's none of your business." Uh -huh. Well, what about if I want him to tarry till I return? That's none of your business. Focus on yourself. That doesn't mean you don't help people. That doesn't mean you, but but see, I don't have to look at me because I'm trying to figure all this stuff out. And life is passing you by and you, you're you still up here. I was drunk in a bar uh, with an Apache brother several years ago in Albuquerque. And we were whining. He was talking about his land being stolen and I was talking about slavery and I have some native blood in me. And then we were drunk. And then we started laughing. It was almost like on cue. And... Um, we were like, boy, this is a pity party. But he <laughs> said something I've never forgotten. He said, Michael, the longest journey anybody will ever take is from here to here. Hmm. And you wow. can stay up, you can stay up in these chakras all you want, hmm. but that doesn't make you human. What makes you human is this. From here to here. I love the life of the mind, brother. I read books. I, you know, I I I I love intellectual acuity. But you're not going to think your way into heaven. No. I don't even believe in heaven. But you know, but, so, so, so yeah. eventually, it's got to come. You got to come back here. Mm. But, but we live in a culture, European culture, dominant culture, Western culture, black, white, rich, poor, gay, straight. If you are born in the West, you are rewarded for staying up here. But that's not all of who you are. I think it also has to do with what we what I mentioned before, fear. The journey that you mentioned from here to here is a scary one because you have to you have to be open to not just the feeling of of loving, but the pain that comes with it. And a lot of times people have experienced so much pain, they they the last thing they want is more. And so taking the risk is is the that's the journey. It's about taking I risks. I agree. I will say this though, and I agree with everything you said. You'll make the journey. It may not be this lifetime. It may be another time, but you'll make the journey. You have to in order to move on. Mm -hmm. So so, so, so maybe that will take some of the fear away. You don't have to do it this lifetime, but just know you, you, you can creep toward it. But eventually, you'll have to embrace it. 
because I, the only way the only way the only way out is through. So I don't want to do this again. I don't want to do this again. This wasn't. I mean, I'm yeah. not having a bad time, but I've had some no, no, pretty no, bad. No, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. But, but we've all been lifetimes, right? You know, black, white, gay, straight, men, women. We've all been that, at least to my philosophy and my beliefs. So, and you know, and it's not about being perfect. It's like the twelve steps. You don't don't let you know. It's about progress, not perfection. But eventually you'll make the journey. Little by little you do. So that's one less thing you have to worry about because you you know you got to eventually in order to get where you need to go to back to the source. Because when you go to source, there is no fear. So you can't bring your baggage with you. Well, I mean, you will bring your baggage with you from lifetime to lifetime, just like I did. So be gentle with yourself. Hmm. You may not realize it, but I feel like this entire conversation was probably one of the most challenging conversations I've ever had, especially on air, because on the one hand, I feel like you're not that you're trying to do this, but it's like you're taking a mirror and you're saying, look, Mar Marquise, and I know this is for the this is for everybody. But but right now in this every time I've talked to you, it's like it's like a therapy session or, or a counseling session. And I feel like you took a mirror and you said, look, look, this is where it's at. This is where your answers are, Marquise. Stop looking everywhere else. Stop mm -hmm. looking at this and that and this person and trying to intellectualize and put in a box and bulletin point and, and formula. Look, it's here. And that's frustrating because I, like I said, I know you're right. And that's the problem. <laughs> I'm Listen, the problem. I'm the problem. Not your, what you're saying. You know, no, I'm my you're not a, no, you're not a problem, Marky, at all. You're a human being, brother, in this lifetime. You're a spiritual being in a human body. I agree with that. And I got to tell you something, brother, and you already know. It's hard being a human being. <laughs> okay? It's hard. It's hard being a good human being. You can be a human being, and you can mess over everybody and, you know, dog them and start right. wars. And whatever. But you know what I'm saying? But yeah. you, you and me and people like, oh, we're trying to be, we're trying to be as authentic and real. And that's just a challenge every day. And that's why it's good to surround yourself with like-minded people. Not all the time, because you need to learn from other people, but people you can go and talk. You provide a service for, I'm looking at you like a minister. This is your ministry. You, you know, the people listening are your congregation. Mm -hmm. So you're empowering people. You don't have to be perfect to do that. You know, I think sometimes, you, you know, we can be hard on ourselves, you know, because we got this image that we have to live up to. You know, I love it when you say, Michael, I'm scared. Because that takes testicles to do that, or ovaries, or whatever you want to call them, <laughs> to, to be vulnerable. Right. It takes courage to do that, but and that's what it is to be a human being. But the but, but the less fear, the more fear you can eliminate from your path, the better it will be, in any lifetime. That you, because you got, you know, the Course in Miracles talks about it. you got two choices. You got love or fear. Each day you get to choose. At the end of the day, you know, you go over your day. You go, man, what could I have handled differently and what did I do well? Takes, a, you know, right before you go to sleep or whenever. But, 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 yeah, there's an existential fear. Once you come out of your mother's womb, there's fear. Hmm. The fear of being alive. How are my knees going to get taken care of? 
If you didn't have those needs taken care of, then you, you're trying to find that. You're trying to find, I have to survive. You, you know what I mean? If you didn't come from a good family or you didn't come from that. that, that but that's part of the mission that you uh, that you took because the lesson is you won't judge or you can help people when people are saying whatever they're saying, you can say, I've been there. I don't have to, I know what that's like. I know what that's like. I don't have to have the exact same experience, but I know what that's like. That's called compassion. The Buddhists talk a lot about that. They use that sometimes more than the word love because love's got all this baggage with it. But that's right. called compassion. When I want to make your life better, that's happiness. I give and I get. So that's that's the game. That's the game. To learn to love, to learn to have compassion, to to let to not let people take away my joy, to not let what's going on in the world take away my joy, to 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 not let the things I want make me forget the things I have. That's the game. You're creating your future by what you do now. You're creating your next life by what you do in this one. And you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have the answers to everything. It's okay to be afraid. Know that you're beautiful, that you're taken care of. You know, you got you got you got your family. Mm-hmm. You got somebody who loves you. You got you got you 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 look like you're healthy. You know, you may not be in robust health, maybe you are, but you I mean, it's a miracle. It's a miracle, and this with this is without any space people visiting. When they visit you, now that's icing on the cake. I feel you like know? it's. I feel like what you're saying is, you know, it's it's a consistent theme because the people that I've talked to, again, I've talked to two different factions, so to speak. Not that you're part of a faction, you know. No, se, don't explain it. I know what you mean. On the one hand, there are people who do think that there's a there's a problem. Um, there's an aspect of the phenomena that's terrifying, and that's why the government doesn't say. On the other hand, there's another you know group of people that say it's not about the phenomena. It's not even about the phenomena. It's about us. It's about you individually. That the consciousness of mm-hmm. each and every one of us. Yeah. And about raising consciousness and about yes. all, and you're you know what you're saying is probably the most relevant thing you could say about the phenomena because when when we're when we talk to people who have had contact that they can engage in on like purposefully um um they say the same thing that there's a you need to raise your vibration so to speak you mm-hmm. need to raise your consciousness you need to get in touch with the part of you that that is um that is loving and compassionate and and forgiving and that's the that's the key to the connection to these beings so to speak because that's what they that's what they are they live purely in that space and they mix it with technology of course they're able to yes. interface with technology in that way we're just we're, our technology has advanced further than our spirituality and that's all uh-huh. we can we can i know you don't necessarily focus on this but as a civilization that is our problem is that we're so yeah. spiritually you know immature but we we're, but our technology is just skyrocketing mm-hmm. our technological advancements are skyrocketing and there's a disconnect we need to be yes. spiritually evolved yeah dr king talked about that yeah and i it, it's it's so relevant i think it's extremely relevant Mm-hmm. Um, but but most- see, there's nothing new. This these this is not sexy. People have been trying to tell us this before Jesus and Buddha. They right. were trying to say, you know, you this is how you cultivate your inner life. 
If you if you believe that the Grenada Treaty happened with Eisenhower, what what's what's the what's the what's what's the lesson there? Okay, a group of Nordic people come to him and say, "You need to dial it back, brother, with this nuclear stuff. What mm -hmm. are you doing?" Okay, and we can show you uh, uh, how to grow spiritually, and then maybe you get the toys and gadgets. He says, "No, I can't do that." Not blaming him, but. That's what he said. So a group of, of grays come along, not all grays, a group of grays come along and he makes this treaty with them. Now they break the treaty. You know, they, they say, look, uh, we just want to take a few people. Uh, we'll give you the names. We just want to do some experiments. We'll put them right. back. He says, well, I can't stop you. So they do the treaty and then he finds out that they're not keeping the treaty. But What's the choice there? It's the it's the parable. Eisenhower is human, you know, he's power, he represents the most powerful nation on the world in the world at the time, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. Right. Do you go for the spiritual or do you keep the warmonger? You keep the material, you keep the power, you keep the what you think is power, you keep the gold, you keep the materials, you keep the mm -hmm. weapons. When you can have both. But you have to be spiritually advanced to deal with it. Aren't we all walking that journey? Do, do, do I be true to myself? Do I cultivate my inner life? Or do I let the world direct me? It's the age-old question. Since the inception of humanity, of humanity itself, when we've all been, when we've learned, I mean, if you believe in evolution, at some point we sort of become self-reflective. And notice that we were that the, that we have a that we are alive, we have autonomy, and that we have we yeah. wish for something more. We're sentient. We are sentient right. beings. Right. That's what my sermon is on this Sunday. How to how how to be a sentient being. Do you so, live stream your sermon? Do you have this? Is your sermons you, like on yeah? The you can go okay. to YouTube, and if you type in Unitarian Universalist Congregation of the Swannanoa Valley. Um, or you, you of Black Mountain, either one of those. Yeah, we 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 stream them. I'll be watching your I'll be watching your content, and I'm going to post yeah. it just so everybody. And you can go that. back and watch the old some old stuff too. Oh, I'm going to. I, I trust. Me, I'm definitely going to delve in. Yeah. See, I, you know, and I'm glad we had this conversation. I'm really, really glad we had. I I hope that I can have you back again, um, of because because all the there your time is limited tonight, um, and I want to respect that time, um, and. There's a lot more that I want to ask you that that I think it's a little bit more structured than this conversation. I really wanted to get you get you on my podcast, have a conversation with the, just the basics about you and your perspective. But there are some other questions. You've actually changed some of them through this conversation. Mm -hmm. um, so that's that's great. So I hope I can have you back on again. I know you said you were open to that. I hope you didn't yes. have a bad time. <laughs> oh, no, no. This is wonderful. No, I was looking. I was looking forward to it. I was looking forward to it. Awesome. Um, uh, yeah, so anyway, that, that's where I come down on on this. Um, I've integrated it into my life as well. You know, I mean, at the beginning, I got hypnosis with Bud Hopkins and um, well, Bud, when Bud was alive and Gene Mundy, they both crossed over and they helped me maintain my sanity because they let me know that what was happening to me was was real. I I kind of landed more in John Mack's camp about the positive, you know, experience. Right. I know Bud and Bud Bud came around. He was, you know, Bud was skeptical in the beginning, and um, 
uh, I'm not saying he completely turned around to become like John Mack, but uh, you know, most of the people in his support groups, when we got together once or twice a year, they had had traumatic things happen to them. Um, a lot of the work that resulted in the person I am now, I was already on that path and maybe I was being guided. I was already starting to read existentialist philosophy. I was already starting to read metaphysics and the occult and, you know, psychic phenomena books on that. And then I had my experience. So when, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Mm. And when yep. the student is ready, the teacher disappears. And, and maybe they were guiding me the whole time, but I know I have agency. A big thing for me and what triggers me, and maybe that's the thing about religion too, especially Christianity, that someone's gonna help come and clean up the mess that we made. Mm. Uh, and I think part of a mature spirituality is that I have to take responsibility. If someone helps clean up, I'm all for it. We could use it. But I can't rely on that because right. then, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I haven't grown up. It's like someone's going to come, Daddy, come save me, Mommy, come save me. Um, that's big with me, and we have a life here, and 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 life is to be lived. And so, as I said an hour or so ago, you don't need. I don't think you need somebody from outer space to come and tell you these things. <laughs> Right. They're in there. I think if that happens, great. But um, the, the planet is in need of healing. The planet will be okay. It's us, actually. But, um, you know, it's about growing and learning and evolving and learning acceptance and not tolerance um, and, and learning compassion and learning loving kindness and, 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 and applying that, applying that. It's not just about holding hands and singing Kumbaya. We could all love each other right now at 8.27 p.m. But if our political systems didn't or don't change, if our behavior doesn't change, what good is the love? I want to know, what does the love look like? Does it look like uh, people having health care? Does it look like people making a, liv a livable wage? Those are the things I'm concerned. Some people will say, well, that's politics, but it is, but, but so is exopolitics. When you talk about how um, Steve Bassett has dedicated his life and energies to how are we going to de disclosure and how are we gonna deal with our neighbors? Um, who's, who's gonna represent us? Who's gonna be the diplomats? That's politics. For, for my Christian friends, who talk about Jesus as the king and um, uh, his kingdom will have no end. Well, that's politics. When you start talking about kingdoms and right. kings, ruler, ruler politics. Ruler. So I don't right. want to hear it, that that there's a difference in politics. <clears throat> you know, I forget how Cornell West puts it. He says, love is tenderness in private and justice in public. I get right. what he's saying. What is that going to look like? Because I hear a lot of people in a dominant culture um, and a lot of brothers and sisters of color, too, they talk about love, love, love. But I'm, OK, OK, what, is, what does that love look like? Is there forgiveness in that? Is there mercy in that? Do you get a second chance in that? Mm. Uh, or is it just, you know, this utopian <sighs> kind of, well, we all just love each other and 
hold our crystals and be here. No, come on, stop. <laughs> stop. It, you know what's fr- that's actually frustrating to me is is hearing um about love and <laughs> and about <laughs> forgiveness and about religion, specifically Christianity, right? I, I hear people who are who claim to be Christian, but their perspective about certain people is doesn't sound like it's biblical. It sounds like it's very carnal. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's like ripe with like you know rife with uh, with um, human uh, ideas of love. So in in when I my fa- I've had uncles and cousins who told me that love, you know, is about is about there's a there's a there's a gender dynamic. For example, the man is the head of the household. The man is the one that's dominant. The man is the one that runs everything, and then a woman is submissive and should be should be should live her life as a submissive person. And so when a man says something, a woman listens. Now, on the one hand, I understand the cultural, you know, uh, gender uh, roles, but on the other hand, I think that the that the the way that, that it was expressed to me was more about dominance, dominance and power versus a union of relationship where there's a where there's a there's mm-hmm. a true dynamic of mm-hmm. of giving and giving between the two, and so when I hear people say they they love, but for example they they think that women have less value, mm-hmm. or that a certain portion of the population has less value because they don't like how some people act in that certain population. I remember one time I was I worked at a Verizon store, and uh, this lady I worked with she had a customer come in, someone that she knew since she was a little girl, and she went to church with them every day. And or every week, I'm sorry. And and on Wednesdays, they went to Bible study. And she said she's seen them for her whole life. And she went into the back room with him. They sat and they they were she was selling him a phone. And when they came out, her face was different. I mean, she was she looked traumatized. And I was concerned. Like, what did he say to her? What did he do? Um, And then but they were cordial. They were nice. They were friendly. He said bye. And he left. And when he left, she sat down in her chair and she was just she was stunned. I said, "Hey, what's what's going on? Uh, you're all right. Did he what, did he do something? Did he say something?" She said, "I can't believe what I just heard out of his mouth. I went to church with him my entire life, and apparently he said, um, do you feel comfortable working around that N word?'" And she was stunned because her whole life he's never been rude to anybody, never once. He loves the people that he knows. But anybody outside of that circle that he has, the people that he's comfortable with, that he's familiar with, that he has accepted as as an equal, he doesn't love anyone outside of that circle. Mm-hmm. And that's how most people on this planet are. They love the people within their circle, and they don't care about anyone outside of it. And that circle seems to be getting smaller and smaller. It's usually family. It, it is in some cases it's a it's about color and religion and about you know belief systems. But ultimately, it's all about excluding anyone that they're not familiar with or excluding people that don't that don't have that don't share the same values mm-hmm. and that's that's human love that's carnal love mm-hmm. it's limited mm-hmm. it's very limited i agree and it's unfortunate so i apologize i went on a little diatribe about about the that but it's it's just you know it's it's sad to it's good to hear that someone has a perspective that makes sense that does talk about you know focusing on our inner selves focusing on our spirituality so to speak our, mm-hmm. our consciousness raising our consciousness living with compassion and love the thing that i've always believed but couldn't reconcile with how the world is living out um, i couldn't reconcile what i thought in my mind was the definition of these words but it's not being expressed in my reality people are not showing the things well that's because you're looking from the outside in you got to work from the inside out I mean, I love people. <laughs> no, no, no. I, 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 I'm not saying you're not, but I'm just saying, Steve, 
you don't, not you, you, but you, you, we're so other aided. We're so other focused. Everything is out there. That's why meditation is so important. That's why I contemplate because you're working on your insides. Right. And so you, you, you turn off the noise. It doesn't matter to me what they're doing out here. It does in the sense, of course, this inflation. I got to go get groceries. I got to get my car fixed. Yeah, that part. But on a deep level, I got my center. And so when the going gets rough, I, I got my anchor. But if I'm so focused outside, look how they're treating each other. Da, 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 da. You're supposed to treat each other like that. And da, 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 da. I drive you then crazy. Every time something, it will drive you crazy. And right. when it, you, you'll just be like a, a bottle in the ocean. You'll just bobble wherever it goes. It's not about, but you don't work from the outside in. As within, so without. Mm. And the more calm I am, the more centered I am, it's just quantum physics, then the more centered and quantum my little world's going to be. I can't stop the war in Ukraine. I, I, I read about it. I talk, you know, any war. But I, I, I'm misinformed because, you know, you don't get the truth from the media, at least not the entire truth. But I'm, 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 I'm doing the social contract. I'm being an informed citizen. But I, I don't worry about that. I can't do anything about that. But the people I meet every day in the grocery store, when I go to church, when I go, that's what I can, I can interact. That's all I'm responsible for. Again, because if I'm so focused out here, I don't have to go in here. Hmm. I'm so distracted that I, you know, and, and they take, your power gets taken away. So yes, we're supposed we live in a world where people are not some people are obviously, but most people it seems like are not treating each other well. Okay. So quantum physics says what you focus on, you attract. Right. Well, am I gonna focus on that? <clears throat> or am I gonna focus on the way I'd like the world to be and try to live that out? That's your choice. It's and it's not it's not religion. Whatever you focus on, you create. If when I wanted to manifest money, I had to say, I got to stop manifesting being broke. <laughs> All right. Okay, so I'm focusing on I'm being broke. But how can you focus on being broke when you say you want to manifest some, some more abundance? What you So you want to focus on what everybody's doing that's negative? Or you want to focus on the world you want to create? Or the mm -hmm. person you want to be? That's just physics. It's not magic. So you, you got to shift. Who Wayne Dyer said, when you change the way you look at things, things the things you look at yeah. begin to change. Yeah. Wayne Dyer. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you hear yeah. it from every, it's out there. It's not sexy. It's nothing new. When you hit these messages from people who've seen space before, the message isn't new. You're crazy. You're destroying <laughs> your world. Right. You're better than this if you want to be. And it's it's the same thing. Yeah. Every time. Why do you think that is? Because we haven't started doing it. Still, thousands of years later. Yeah. After first contact. Hundreds which, of thousands of years later. Yeah. So so you know, but 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 we don't want to talk about that because it's work. Let's talk about the lights in the sky. Let's talk about, you know. The, the, the material, the physical, that they leave some traces over there, that they leave, let's, uh, did, did you get a piece of the ship? Let's <laughs> that. That's exciting. It's, it has its place, 
but it's bigger than that. But if I'm looking at that, I don't have to do the work, see? I don't have to do the work. I'm just looking for the nuts and bolts. Just give me the facts, ma'am. It's like Dragnet. I don't know if you're old enough to remember that. Just give me the facts. <laughs> okay? Don't, I don't want to hear anything else. Why, life is not like that. All right. Well, I I think that's, I mean, I think that this therapy session is, uh, is enlightening. And I'm sure that the listeners are going to love this. I think that this is probably going to be one of my favorite episodes, um, especially given that it's like, again, it's like a therapy session for me. Um, I haven't had many of those. Let's be honest. I think I've only had one and I haven't had it on air um, with somebody. Actually, it was with Preston and Dolly. Mm -hmm. um, the first time I talked to them was like a therapy session. Mm -hmm. And it, I feel like this is reminiscent of that conversation, only it's, it's very different because your perspective is 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 specific. There's... There's there's perspective is solely on the phenomena, the interaction with the phenomena, but it has that same air of like, you know, the spirituality side, the consciousness side, the focusing on your inner self and that and how you are inside. Um, they they focus on that as well, but in a much different way because it's all associated with the phenomena. You're saying it's all about you. It's all about just you. It's here, and whatever comes from your your self observation, your self awareness, that increase in your self awareness, whether it be would be with the beings or just a change, a shift in your consciousness and life in the life you experience. That's what it's about because you got to yeah, live yeah. this life. I, yeah. yeah. I don't mean just you, like you're an Island to yourself. We're all, oh, of course not. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. But I want them, I want people to hear that. I don't want them to think that, you know, it's in some narcissistic way because we're no. all connected. But once I'm taking care of me in a lot of ways, I'm taking care of you because once I'm being the self I need to be, Dr. King said it best. He said, I can't be who I ought to be until you are who you ought to be. And you can't be who you ought to be until I am who I ought to be. It's not mm. personal. That's just the way this universe works. Right. So I'm connected to you. But when I'm feeling good, I'm going to give that good out. And that's going to affect you. And when you're feeling good and satisfied, you're going to put that out there. And that's going to affect. And that's how the world changes. So, so, you know, and, and that's with, if this, if space people existed or not, that's how it works. Amen. So to say. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Michael Carter, I want to, I want to again say thank you for coming to my podcast. Thank uh, you, bro. Was, thank you for having me. It was a great pleasure. I, I really look forward to having you back again. And I'm, Let's I talk about it. Well, then after this, we're going to set, we can set another date. That would be great. Yeah. Um, Cause I got some more questions for you in, in a different, going in a different direction, but I, but I, I really love your perspective. So we're going to do this again, hopefully. So where can people uh, find you? Where do you want them to go to see your, um, to see your work? You can buy my books. All five of them are at Barnes and Nobles or Amazon. Just Which I'll type post in it. Reverend Michael J. Carter. Yeah. Um, my email is Michael J. S. Carter at gmail.com. I, I will answer you. I don't use my website much, but that's ReverendMichaelJSCarter.com. And uh, on Facebook, I have a fan page, which is Michael Reverend Michael J. Carter. And I also have just a, a what I call a regular page. And uh, just type in Michael J. S. Carter. And um, I'll get back to you. All right. I'll have all those links in the description below. So um, stay tuned for them and follow him. Check his, check his work out because I guarantee you're going to get something out of this more than just learning about lights in the sky. So thank you, brother. All right, everybody take care. All right.